0: Here's your host, Alex Garrett.
1: Well, I mentioned this on Facebook and Instagram earlier today. I'm going to say it right before I welcome my guest, Mr. Richard Battle. He's an author, and uh, we'll get to his book and, and everything down in Texas that he's dealing with right now. But, you know, Joe Biden called Texas reopening Neanderthal thinking. And here's my post. I said, look, Neanderthals created fire. They invented the wheel. They actually did something to lead to society that we have today. So I do pray Texas business and Connecticut business stay vigilant in, you know, maybe maybe keeping the personal uh, business mandates if they want, to if they feel comfortable doing that. But hopefully that Texans and Connecticut can show the nation that at 100% they are smarter than what they seem to be judged by this week. What we saw is total empowerment of personal responsibility. And if we can't be allowed to be responsible for our own lives, then we are in trouble in this country. And I'm going down to Texas right now where author Richard Battle uh, is standing by waiting to talk to me. Thanks for joining me today, Richard.
0: Good morning, Alex. Thank you so much for having us with you again.
1: Were you offended that you guys were basically called Neanderthals for just trying to live your lives again?
0: (laughs) I think it's humorous and the t-shirt vendors were already out selling Texas Neanderthal t-shirts. (laughs) That I I saw this morning on the internet and uh, so there'll be some good free enterprise people make a few bucks off of it
1: but let's start there because your book is about navigating life's journey and and basically Mm -hmm. when we talked last time I felt you were all about the right of the human being the personal responsibility and that's why I wanted you back so firstly on the personal responsibility watch have they completely not st- have they completely stopped wearing masks in Texas, or do you still see people staying cautious, even though, as Governor Abbott said, Texas is a hundred percent open?
0: Well, first, he opened the state March 10th, so that's four or five days from now. And it, uh, after that, that just lifts the statewide mandate. And so then individuals, businesses, school districts, and other entities can make choices whether they open or not. But even during the statewide mask mandate, there's been such a variety of responses in the state. And in some of the larger cities, you'll see people driving by themselves, wearing a mask in their car. Uh, There's people wearing masks by themselves in their houses because they're scared to death because of the media propaganda. Whereas you go to other towns. I'm in Abilene, Texas right now. I went to dinner last night. And there was no one in the restaurant that was wearing a mask coming in and out at the tables anywhere. And it was uh, there was no restrictions on how many people were there. And everyone was having a good time, just like the, the normal days we enjoyed before.
1: Well, obviously, we'll have a follow up to this because then we'll see what happens after the 10th. Hmm. But do you see that businesses will continue to require uh, just so they are sort of covered, if you will, and they still protect people's uh, health and well-being?
0: Well, that's one of the most underreported issues, I believe, in this whole thing has been the liability issue for business. And uh, Mitch McConnell and the uh, the Republicans in the Senate in 2020 tried to include a temporary change in liability laws to help make it easier for businesses to reopen, and they were blocked by the Democrats. And so just a simple example, and it's one word makes – all the difference in the world and the word is gross and businesses currently are held to a standard where they can be sued for negligent behavior and that that bar is at one level and the Republicans tried to add the word gross negligence which means there had to be willful deceit and that difference would embolden more businesses to open faster and more completely because they would have less frivolous lawsuits against them. And by that not happening, then I know from my corporate experience that the lawyers were in the corporate executive's ear saying, if we open too quickly, we're going to be sued more easily. And that's going to make it more risk for our business. And that affects everyone across the country. And we need to help businesses reduce risk and help them at least temporarily reopen and reduce that liability issue uh, unless they willfully deceive or willfully harm somebody.
1: Well, that is true. I mean, look, if you're going to a restaurant right now, that is your personal choice, isn't it? I mean, I'll be honest, in January, I went out to Long Island a few times to have indoor dining just because I missed it in the city and I had a couple friends that wanted me out there and I did it. And that was my choice. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't mandated, but it was my choice. And so why should the business be liable for a personal choice basically is the reasoning here.
0: Yes, and the other thing that, that drives me up the wall is government in its typical fashion comes up with an edict that one size fits all. And I'll give you an example. I go to a gym every day, and they closed it in April for a couple of weeks and then reopened it. Well, since that time, there's been one case, and it was a staff member who went into quarantine. Otherwise, there's been zero cases. I go seven days a week. I shower at the gym. People are personally responsible to wear a mask going in and out, but while they're exercising, they don't. They clean the equipment. There's been zero cases, and my advocacy would be to allow businesses to make that type of decision based on their records, and some businesses will do better than others, and if they don't do well, then restrict or quarantine them, and if they take care of business responsibly, let them open.
1: I understand you are, you know, you have the legal background too. So if, if people wanted to know about the legal issues of this reopening, can they come to you? Can they turn to you, Richard Battle?
0: Well, I'm not a, I'm not an attorney. My experience came from being in a, a corporate executive role and having cor- my corporate attorneys and then people on the other side of trying to do business deals, negotiate contracts. And so I am not an expert, nor do I want to play one on, on television, but, uh, you can look up on the internet and look at uh, liability and look up the difference of gross negligence versus negligence very easily. Uh, You can also reference uh, what was tried to be included in last year's bills to help businesses by increasing that level to gross negligence versus negligence.
1: So your role, though, in the corporate world, I'm sure you're getting a lot of executives saying, hey, how do we make this happen? How do we do this safely without being, uh, uh, being afraid?
0: Well, and again, that goes back to each corporation and and some are more aggressive and more brave about it than others, depending on the attorneys inside a corporation and depending on the executives themselves and what their normal posture is and what they believe, how exposed they believe they would be to the current risk levels.
1: You know, it's amazing to me that there's there's been the whole idea of empowerment, right? Like sort of shout your truth, or however you want to say it, yet when it comes to reopening, the media and and the Democrats say, no, don't reopen. We don't want you to be empowered that much. It's kind of sickening, if you ask me.
0: Well, yes, and of course, we all saw last spring the gargantuan power grab by politicians at all levels, some within the legal uh, capabilities they had, and some extra-legal, I believe, and they are going to be hesitant ever to rel- relinquish that power. Politicians are quick to grab power and hesitant ever to give it up. And that that's a risk to our republic, I believe. And we as citizens are going to have to step up and put pressure on politicians to relinquish that power, or they will keep it forever and we will be subjugated to this.
1: You wrote about navigating life's journeys. That's your personal story. But, you know, I asked about this with the pandemic Did you think that that book was going to be right on time, so to speak? Because now we're all navigating in such a different way than we were prior to 2020.
0: Well, I believe common sense is always in style and it never goes out of season. But we've seen an attack on common sense over the last several years that uh, the things that made our country great, and this isn't political, But our country was made great by individual people chasing their own dreams, achieving what they wanted to do, and everyone individually contributing to the corporate and country success. And when we start dictating from politicians what people can and can't do and limiting the freedom to pursue your own dreams, we're going to end up in a socialist country uh, inevitably, it's just a matter of how fast we get there. And there is an assault every day on our freedoms uh, to, to live the lives the way we want to live them.
1: You know, it's amazing to me, right? So the media hounds on Governor Abbott's decision. Yet we got a guy here in New York rewriting everything, you know, the underreporting of deaths and rewriting death tolls. Yet he gets like a free pass still. It's, that's also being a native New Yorker really troubling to me. And it, it just it turns me off, really. That It's like... Abbott should be cheered in a way for doing this if you're going to not and, – and Cuomo should be criticized. That's how it should go.
0: <laughs> well, it just goes to show the evolution of the media, whereas it was the fourth estate, the watchdog. And, yes, you would have partisan newspapers, uh, some on one side and some on the other. But in the last 10 years or so especially, they've taken the gloves off. And any pretense of neutrality or trying to report both sides of a story have gone out the window, and they've become actually, the, instead of the referee, they've actually become active partisan participants in influencing what's going on in our political life. And to me, that's a shame because a lot of people don't recognize that. And you can tell by which source of news people look at And their beliefs from that and what they're missing of news uh, and how that affects people. So I I wish we had some way to get the media back to where we could have them report both sides of an issue and let people decide for themselves which one they believe. Uh,
1: Let me ask you, Richard, this question. Uh, Common sense, right? So. Can you just reassure my our listeners here and and people out there that, yes, Texans have common sense. Don't listen to what anybody else says differently.
0: (laughs) Well, absolutely. And I think that's part of our nature. And this past week, we've celebrated Texas Independence Day from when we declared independence from Mexico and actually fought a war to win our own independence and, and was a. Republic ourselves for nine years before joining the union. And there's a lot of that spirit still in Texas of individual responsibility and individuals chasing a dream. Now we're very benevolent people and we do a lot of nonprofit and help people, but we believe everyone should have the freedom and responsibility to pursue their their own dreams and take care of their families. Uh, as well and that freedom and responsibility are intertwined you don't get one without the other
1: and so what is what have you been telling your friends and family like hey don't you know still be responsible like what how 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 are those conversations going with your in your personal life about all of this if you don't mind me asking
0: no not at all and i feel very comfortable going places without a mask if they require a mask i'll wear it because i don't want to cause an issue but i believe between the vaccinations and the caseloads going down and other people uh, being personally responsible that we're seeing uh, the cases go down quite a bit and the other thing that we don't see from any government level we do not see reporting on the case distributions demographically geographically Uh, What are the common things where cases are happening? And those are the places that should be quarantined and the rest of us should be left to be free. But by not reporting any of that, then they can rule one size fits all on everything. And that, to me, uh, there ought to be people in the media, politicians on both sides saying, give us the breakdowns of all this and let's isolate the people we need to and, and let the others live.
1: You know, you know, people are getting tired of all of this. Uh, I'm looking at my own streets of Manhattan, right? I think business owners, I think the city wants to reopen. I could sense that there's an era of, you know, a year ago we all were starting to panic. Like, what is this virus really is? You know, what what is this? Now I sense that it's all like, well, we got to reopen now. We got to do this. I, I can see the state, the city maybe turning blue, maybe... Uh, uh, turning red. Sorry, I, am I far off? Do you think, from an outside perspective, that yes, this city could turn red again, or what? What do you think? In the when you look at the national picture of California and New York, is there a chance red could seep into these cities and, and states?
0: Well, I would hope so. Not from a partisan standpoint as much as people rejecting nanny state government, and that's the direction we're going. Nanny state government in our country and a globalist submission to a global government overall. And I don't believe anyone, regardless of what party affiliation you're in, really wants to be a subject versus a citizen and wants to give up the sovereignty of the United States to a globalist-type government. But that's the direction we're going. And there's active work being done in our country and other countries to speed our path to that. And that, to me, is the biggest threat we have. And that's it's not Democrats versus Republicans right now. It's Americans versus globalists. And me, I want to maintain American sovereignty and independence. I don't want to be part of a global
1: government. Uh, I'm going to say this very carefully so that they don't say, well, you're inciting something. But how do we really stop this? The voting box is one thing, right? But but. Is it about alerting our own communities? Hey, this is what's going on. You have to know what's going on. I feel like that's a great knowledge is power, right? So if you tell your communities that's better than storming the Capitol, in my view.
0: Well, that that is correct. And, and one of the things when people finally realize how frustrated they are with what's going on, they become overwhelmed thinking, well, I can't really do anything about it. What do I do? And they end up doing nothing. And none of us can do everything. But what I tell people is we can all do one more thing. And so I try to encourage people, find something that you're passionate about and be involved on that one issue and help on that one issue. And if we get enough people becoming citizens again and being responsible and helping out in areas, then we will push back on this nanny state government that we don't need. Our founding and I mean, your part of the country was part of it, uh, was was based on freedom. It was based mm-hmm. on people contributing to their government for a few years and then going back to their lives. And what we've evolved to since World War II are politicians that think they're indispensable. They think they can lord it over us and they rule us and they're there for careers. And then when they die, they, their siblings or their wife or their sons take over their positions. So like... the the seat in michigan uh, that's been in one family over 90 years that's not what a republic is about and we need people to be involved at some time at some level in public affairs so that we can restore that government that we had founded that was so great
1: okay so you've got some concerns about where we're headed But are you seeing glimpses of common sense now, um, maybe than you didn't see a a year ago, even from the citizens of America or citizens of Texas? Any common sense you're seeing right now that that can bring hope to this podcast?
0: Yes, absolutely. And I think in Texas, for example, during the election, we saw uh, minority groups, Hispanic and others, vote for the pro-Make America Great uh, President Trump in record numbers, which was encouraging from the standpoint of their previous positions had been, well, my granddaddy was a Democrat, my daddy was a Democrat, so I guess I'm a Democrat, but they couldn't tell you why. And so those people and others who have waken up and see why they believe what they believe and decide they want freedom, not an anti-state government, that encourages me. And we need to spread the word more so that more people will realize that they do have a choice, and there is a reason to vote for freedom versus voting for more subjugation.
1: And and uh, expand more on that because I'm 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 trying to figure out where where you were going with that. Sorry, sorry.
0: Well, I think that there's been so many people we we saw it in states the number of votes that President Trump got in the election was the largest number of any incumbent. And, of course, there's there's a question whether there were illegal votes or not. That's a whole separate discussion. But I think that was encouraging from the standpoint that that had not happened before, which tells me not only the illustration in Texas, but in other places, the numbers of votes that came out for a pro-America First type agenda uh, were larger than anyone suspected. And that was on the way to reelecting him until all the shenanigans happened late on election night. And so I think that's encouraging to me so if we have election reform. And of course, the other side will call it voter suppression. But the question is, do we want to have one man, one vote or not? Do we want to have citizens only vote or not? And if we reestablish those types of rules, then I think the pro-America and pro-independent, pro-freedom agenda will win again.
1: Well, you know, and that sort of ties into H.R. 1. I'm going to actually have a Democrat who seems to have a different take on this. I haven't heard anywhere else on on hopefully Monday or Tuesday because I try and get every side, right? I think that's the only way you can do this is to get both sides of the story. But what are the dangers to H.R. 1 now that we're talking about this? it, It sort of ties into personal responsibility, does it not?
0: Well, that that bill, has got so many issues. Uh, First thing is, is they try to ram it through with no committee meetings. So the whole way that the Congress is working right now eliminates debate. It eliminates the opposition saying anything about a bill in a committee, marking it up, changing it. They just bring up a bill on the floor and then try to cram it down everybody's throat as an emergency and that's no way to operate a government and we weren't like that until the last 10 or 20 years Uh, we would take a bill deliberate have a committee mark it up run it through both houses of congress and then implement it and the other part of this that drives me crazy is there's only they say it's a COVID relief bill but only nine percent of the bills COVID relief they snuck in all these other things including foreign aid. We borrow money. We borrow money to give other countries foreign aid. What other countries give us foreign aid? None. So and then we have payoffs to all kinds of Democrat constituencies. We have payoffs to uh, pension funds that have been misoperated for many, many years. And so all of these things are money that are going to be given to groups who will donate back to the Democrat Party and perpetuate their power. And that, to me, is the objective of this bill, is basically give a goodie bag to the Democrat supporters so that, that they can keep donating to them.
1: That's <laughs> just terrible. And by the way, that's we're all exactly worried about right. Dr. Seuss as this is going on, right? I feel like that's kind of the, the backdrop. It's like, let's worry about this. To me, it's really non—it is essential because I don't think we should strike Dr. Seuss out from the record entirely. But in the bigger scheme of things, it's sort of a big distraction from what's really going on.
0: That's exactly right. Look at the shiny object over here while we rob the bank behind your back. That's exactly what it is, and it's unfortunate, and the media plays along into this, and they're attacking so many fronts simultaneously, it's hard to defend all of them. So we have to prioritize the ones that will take our freedom away and bankrupt us first. Uh, it drives me crazy. And, and this started actually in 1971 when President Nixon took us off the gold standard, and we became a fiat currency because before then, money was hard. You had less inflation. Uh, you couldn't spend your way into oblivion because you had to account for it. And the only way we're able to do that now is because we have the world's reserve currency. So we're able to get away with this type of spending. If the Chinese, and they're trying to do it right now, become the world reserve currency with theirs, and we lose our status there, our economy will implode.
1: You know, I was talking about, you know, uh, they played Johnny Carson on, on Antenna TV and it, he actually said an interesting line and I happened to see it. He said, "You know, just take a quarter, make that the dollar because that's what it's worth." Was he not far off on that? Like is that the only way we can prevent big spending from the from the treasury and the senate? And it, you know, it just seems like we're spending a lot now and it's just it's worrisome to me.
0: Well, you're correct and I would the only thing I would say is if Johnny were here today he'd say take a quarter and make it a penny. If you look at a chart of inflation or the, the value or the buying power of a, a dollar over the last several years, despite what they tell us about inflation, it's shrinking very quickly and will continue. And some of my friends say, well, go buy gold. Well, that's okay, but 1933, President Roosevelt uh, made holding gold illegal for a period of time, and they confiscated gold or made you turn it in. And so gold by itself is not a hedge. What we need is more responsible government, not just spending money based on who they want to prop up, but going back through the process of identifying what level of services do we want to have, what does that cost? The government never sacrifices its growth or its money. They never miss a paycheck. And this is even wh- when they go
1: and this is down, why they,
0: they get repaid.
1: Right. And this is why Trump's signing on to that trillion dollar relief bill was so surprising. I thought he was going to shake it up a little bit and not do things like that.
0: Yes, it was. And if you'll remember, he bit his lip and did it begrudgingly and said he would never do it again, which, of course, irritated uh, the folks that wanted the profligate spending even more. And I, I think that he would have been in a second term uh, tighter on money and i think he would have done a lot of things to rein in government growth
1: can i ask a, a question because like sometimes i am as i'm thinking here i think more people should talk to texans i think they should stop listening to what the media says about you guys and just start talking to because you, you got common sense and i don't know i just feel like it doesn't happen i feel like texas is sort of down there. And and you guys try and talk to us, but we don't listen. Is that right? I don't know. It feels like that's kind of the case, too.
0: <laughs> well, there's some. Uh, one thing we do well, and there's somebody trying to tra- uh, change it, and I hope, I hope they get run out of town, but our legislature meets for 140 days every two years. And some of us think it should meet for two days once every 140 years, because generally, the more governments meet, the more trouble they put us into and the more of our money they take away because every time government takes power, they take it away from us. Every time the government spends a dollar, it's something they've taken away from us. And we need to have more responsibility on that. And people spending that money who know how hard it is to earn it. And it drives me crazy when I drive into a small town, and the individuals' homes and businesses are run down, but yet all the government buildings are bright, new, and shiny because the government never thinks it has to sacrifice.
1: No, I mean, why would they do that? Why why would they, you know, maybe take a, a leave, a furlough for a week and do that? I mean, our mayor did it, but that was just a week, you know, try and do it the way they've had to do it for the citizenry, which has been months, right? So the unemployment is still way high. And, uh and so, yeah, I just think if, if you guys hear the media about Texas, just call up people like Richard Battle, just email with Texans, actually get feels for what's on the ground. That's the only way people this country can get united again. Right. That's how I see it.
0: Well, yeah, and I'll tell you a funny story. Sure. After the Texas War for Independence, when Santa Ana came back to power, he wanted to reinvade and take Texas back. And he didn't do it because he didn't have the money. And Sam Houston, when he was leading Texas, he wanted to go into Mexico and take more of Mexico for Texas. But he didn't do it because he didn't have the money. Well, another problem with fiat spending is there's no restraint like that holding us back. If the government thinks it needs to do something, they just do it and print more money and devalue the currency and drive us closer to bankruptcy.
1: Richard, a lot was made about the electric grid. Should you join the national grid now with all of this going on? Obviously, you're going to say that's the worst idea. I would say, though, what? how can the country help Texas through this thing? I mean, it was a pretty bad month there for you guys, and it was under record cold. Like, how are you guys doing, first of all? And, and, and what's the solution that you see? And, and did government interference come into play there?
0: Well, you're right on the grid. I I like having the grid on our own, and I I told people what we saw was what happens when you beat global warming because there were a lot of us hoping that global warming would show back up during that four- or five-day period when it was so cold, (laughs) and within a few days, it was 80 or so again. But we want to be independent on that. We have the capability. The issue was not the capability. The, The issue was poor management. And hopefully, that will be resolved from this issue. Uh, The thing that bothered me was the governor, who I like, told people, we're going to solve this so we never have to suffer again. And I don't like politicians promising to never have people have to live the risk of life again because life is a risk, and we go through risk all the time. And we are stronger individually, and as a country, when we can take care of our risk ourselves – and the government should be the rescuer of last resort, not the rescuer of first resort.
1: Right. And, you know, and I happen to like Abbott, too. But you're right. It just there were some moments where he kind of got sucked into the hole. And I mean, during COVID, too, the whole I need to take charge and I can't, you know, I have to take over and, and sort of mandate things. I never thought that would happen in Texas to begin with. I, I never saw that being a mandating state.
0: Well, yes, and I think they went along with the, the national issue at that time, the two weeks to flatten the curve uh, mentality, and I think they went along with what was being told out of Washington because President Trump was going along with it, and they were trying to support the president at that time. But I think over time we've seen that that's not the only path, and uh, we're not going to let that destroy our economy. We're going to get back open and- and resume our lives.
1: And so maybe, you know, you just mentioned a couple minutes ago, I don't like the way leaders promise us things. Uh, if you were running, which I don't know, I don't know if you get involved in politics if you wanted to run, but if you were leading in that sort of magnitude, how would you address your citizens?
0: Well, I think we have to get people to resume being independent. And Ronald Reagan, I think, was a great example who talked about that if, We live lives of individual responsibility and took care of family, neighbors, our church members. If we took care of each other, then we would not need look to or ask the government to help us. And if we did that, we'd go into a thousand years of darkness if we let the government take over making all the decisions in our lives. And so we have to let people know what the cost is. Every time the government says it's going to do something, there is a cost to us, short and long term. It's it's not free. It is a it's like the old little girl, would you like some candy? Trick. They give you the candy and then afterwards they take advantage of you.
1: Well, that's a pretty interesting thing. So it, it is it is about that. I, and you know. Uh, I always think of Ralph Ralph Waldo Emerson also wrote about personal responsibility. I mean, there are so many people out there that advocate it. We just have to remember them, right? And, And we're forgetting them little by little and even canceling them, I would say.
0: Well, yes. I mean, look back at our forefathers and what they went through to build and give us what we have. And the people that are complaining and canceling and destroying things Those people, for the most part, have never done one thing positive. All they do is complain. And so they'll take someone, even like a George Washington, who did so many great things and was such a great leader by example, and they'll destroy him because of one negative thing. And we're all imperfect people. We all make mistakes. The question is, in the totality of our lives, what have we contributed to the positive good of the country? and that is where each of us working and doing different things we want to do each of us contributes a different piece because we're individuals we're not we're not a collective and that's what we have to get people to realize you can be free you can make your own choices but yes there are risks and there are hardships that we'll have Uh, but gosh when i think about our forefathers and the pioneers and what they went through they didn't complain they just sucked it up made it happen and built it bigger and better and kept going.
1: You know, I I know that we are a Christian-based country, right? But I also, as we're talking, you make make the point home that we were also built on common sense. I mean, yeah, Thomas Paine's common sense literally influenced this country's being, right? So common sense was part of it, and let's not let that erode. As much as I don't want to let God erode, let's not let common sense erode uh, during this time, right?
0: Well, absolutely, and, and so often we'll hear arguments from people trying to cancel things, and it's, it's, it's nonsense, but people are afraid to stand up against it and debate against it because the other side will become emotional very quickly, and they'll start denigrating. And then, of course, with the media propaganda, it makes it much more difficult. But if you get if you can get into a debate, the principles that built this country – and, and I can remember when both Democrats and Republicans supported the principles. I can remember when both supported the flag, both supported pro-American policies. But that's not what, where we're at today. We have to get back to the pro-American policies. If we don't, then we're going to be another country that's part of a global government, no better, no worse.
1: And that's what we got to avoid. By the way, I'm going to change the phrase right here from don't mess with Texas to get to know Texas, okay? Before you want to post about how evil they are for reopening, get to know Texans. You know, you say, why are you judging me for being whatever? Why are you judging others, too? Like, this is like... The judging, you know, those that don't want to be judged are judging at the same time. I'm tired of it. So get to know Texans, uh, listen to more from Richard Battle, and I'm going to definitely have you on as we reopen and see the reopening. Give us some stories of common sense that you saw during the reopening next week.
0: We would be happy to do that and uh, be happy to join you anytime, Alex.
1: I'm Alex Garrett, where we're always adapting. We're always trying to just find the right, commonalities common sense as Richard's been talking about all episode long and we will talk to you soon that was